This episode's brought to you by Notorious Fire Company. Firefighter owned and operated Notorious Fire Company manufactures and creates quirky and unique items for the fire service. Whether it's your stainless steel water bottles, tumblers, four-in-one koozies, you can decorate your emotional support water bottle with more than 100 different designs they offer so very much. From apparel to swag to stickers, they got you covered. Check them out at NotoriousFire.com. That's N-O-T-O-R-I-O-U-S, NotoriousFire.com. And check them out on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at NotoriousFire. And this month with the podcast, if you use coupon code Fire Radio June 2023, that is Fire Radio June 2023, you'll get free shipping on all orders within the U.S. So check them out, NotoriousFire.com. Lenny and the crew, they're making great stuff. And I have to tell you, with the summer upon us, the sticker packs are out of control. You got everything from Star Wars to pinups and everything in between. Slap them on your beer fridges, your coolers, and your tumblers and celebrate the summer in style with Notorious Fire. A good supporter and longtime friend. We're happy to have him on the podcast with us. Check him out, NotoriousFire.com and coupon code FIREADIOJUNE2023 for free shipping all across the U.S. All right, so I'm not even hopping in. with we. The pregame was already good, and it was only three minutes long, and I said, James, we got to hit the record button, so off we go. You know what I love? I always think about an English gentleman. They're gentlemen. And then I hear you drop the fuck in the shit in the words, <laughs> and I go, and I just smile and laugh, and that is how I'm firing up this podcast today with you. James Gearing, welcome to the podcast, brother. The man behind, uh, behind the Shield podcast, um, bringing so many different personalities to first responders, military, and educating us as we go, um, educating us with PTSD, fitness, sleep, uh, diet, and everything in between, man. Thanks for joining me today. This is going to be a lot of fun. I'm actually very excited to chat with you today. So thanks for joining me on the podcast. Yeah, well, thank you. It was funny. When I first put this together, um, they ask you, do you want an explicit rating or not? And I thought about it for a second. I'm like, yeah, we probably need to do that. <laughs> and it's not like affected, but you know, they, I think when we really open up, even even some of the most articulate um I don't know, the guests you'd least expect, once they know they have the yeah. the capacity to speak freely and they get wound up about something, they'll use, you know, certain words, as will I. So uh, sometimes it's more, but then I, I listened, uh, I watched The Boys. Have you seen that show on... Uh, I have, I yeah, I have, yes. Yeah. So so compared to Butcher, I'm still yeah, a you're bit st- of a quiet boy. Absolutely, <laughs> man. You're still sitting in the church pew on that. But here's the thing, though, and, and that's what brings up a really good point, though, is you get quite emotional about what you talk about which I really enjoy because as I binged some episodes today and yesterday flipping around and listening to a few things that you've done to prepare for today, and I don't really prepare much for podcasts. That's just the God's honest truth. I learn a little bit about the individual, kind of figure out their angle, but I did notice that when you do swear in the episodes that I listen to, it's because it's coming from straight passion, and that's authentic to me. Like That's where it hits home. For you, have you always been an emotional and passionate guy about topics that you dive into? I, I mean, yes. Um, I think the origin story of the podcast is um, 
two years, I lost six firefighter friends. Yes. So six funerals, six bagpipes, six in the last calls. And so when we get into these conversations, especially when it's a frustration about, um, you know, changing the way we've always done it, sure. changing the mindset, especially the way we describe our shifts, for example. Oh, it's, you know, it's, it's the greatest schedule in the world. We only work right. know, eight days a month, you know, one day on two days off. And then you pick that apart and go, no, 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 we don't. But we can get into that in a bit. But yeah, so that's what really drives me crazy is, you know, and I'll every so often I'll talk about, for example, unions. I was a union member my entire right. career. However, it's 2023 and we've got firefighters being worked to death, you know, so that, so when it's a topic and I flash back to a funeral and a broken hearted family give, being given a folded flag yeah. and the helmet. Sure. It becomes extremely personal, and that's, I think, when the, the naughty words come out. Yeah, and, you know, I, I listened to an episode earlier where you were talking about the, the colors of the true brotherhood and coming back from a line-of-duty death funeral, and you said, listen, you know, you got pushed back for, for getting back delayed to the firehouse. Guys were pushing back their covering calls for you guys. It's just absolute nonsense. But the point of that story and what I loved about it was you said, I'm either going to break someone's jaw or I'm going home. That's real talk. And I think that that's what's powerful and why your podcast is special. It's because whatever topic you go down, like you're talking about these personal stories that you get emotional about because you live them. And then you know guys and girls across the country and across the world are still dealing with issues like that in the fire service. But you're doing so much more than the fire service now. So all these different types of topics, you must have passion about many of them outside of just the firefighting realm. Well, I think the biggest aha to me was was a couple of things. I mean, the the story of my transition out was really working for my last place, which should have been such an amazing department budget-wise and right. everything, and just isn't, right. you know, because of politics and self-serving. And I won't get too kind of um, you know, trash-talky on that, but it made me realize that if you really want to fix the fire service, in some aspects, you need to not work for the fire service. Yes, so you have to know that you know what you're talking about, and you have to have worn a uniform. But to truly advocate for people, you know, when we're when we're working for a city or a county, we can't speak speak freely. We'll get told to shut up. We'll That's get right. gagged. You know, whatever it is. And so that was a big thing. And then with the the spectrum of the guests, it was really we are human beings who are firefighters, not the other way around. So once you start looking at that, and you bring in all these experts that work with athletes and Navy SEALs, and you know, you name it. There's so many parallels. And that was, I think, a, a huge thing for me was a lot of times, for example, you know, our guys and girls will go to a two-day seminar and come back as our fitness professionals. Right. You know, or our mental right. health gurus. After two days. Um, yeah. And and with, again, service and great, um, you know, doing it for the right reasons more often than sure. not, as long as it's not chasing a stipend or something. But um, but that's not an expert in their field. That's a firefighter who's dabbled a little bit in this area. And we've got some people that wear a uniform that are great, you know, strength and conditioning coaches and nutritionists, et cetera. But when you go to people, that's all they've done for their entire career. Those are the true experts of that. Field. Sure. hundred so percent. Whether it's mental health or fitness or whatever it is, that was kind of what I want to do is kind of break away from our profession or professions and really just open it up to the entire world. And if they're good people that understand service, then there's going to be so much value to a first responder listening to their story. I find that so many people get caught up in only what they know. 
You know, when you start talking about like uh, management styles, and I know you're passionate about talking about different things, and you talk about your career where you went from the West Coast to the East Coast, you worked for large departments to smaller departments, you worked for super aggressive, very good, well-run, well-managed, a lot of camaraderie, brotherhood to departments that maybe are a little more mismanaged or disconnected, if you will, right? There's so much in all of that. But I think what's important, though, is we get out of our what we know and make ourselves uncomfortable in learning what we should or want to know. And it's those managers and leaders that cut themselves off from the conversation is really what the problem is. One of the things that I think is, is a real resounding common denominator, we are governed by a budget year yes. in so many of our professions. And when you think about that, you are chief X and you want to look good in that budget year. So that is not going to create the, the latitude to make decisions that may affect the department 10 years from now. And that's, that's an interesting thing in all the departments. I've never known, like, what is what is the plan? Like, where are we going? What are we trying to do 10 years from now? You right. know, what are we are we going to make the citizens? We're going to have less fires. We're going to install more smoke alarms. You know, what what? How are we moving the needle? And a lot of times, and it's the same in a lot of our people that, that served in the military too. They're like, well, I just showed up, you know, we went out and hunted bad guys and then we came back. And that's how I feel we are a lot of the times in the fire services. We show up, we put our gear on the rig, we check out our <laughs> stuff, we do our workout, you know, and we run a whole load of calls. We get murdered at night. <laughs> we wake up, have some coffee and go home, rinse and repeat. So um, understanding that, you have to break away from making yourself look good in a 12-month period. And the, the, the phrase, and I always butcher it, i got to look it up and actually figure it out one day and learn it verbatim, but to, to plant the seed of the tree under the shade, shade. you will never yep. know. Yep. You know, I love that concept. Yeah, Do something that will make it better, even though if you're not around there for people to applaud you and pat you on the back. And until we get that kind of visionary leadership, we're just going to be stuck in this hamster. James, aren't, aren't we... That's what we are today, though. Everybody, we live in a society today where we need the accolades. We put ourselves, we're putting pictures and videos of ourselves doing everything these days only to get that response back from people. They liked my photo. They made a comment. They saw me do this. They see me doing this. Look at me. I need accolades. I need to boost my ego. My, you know, yesterday in the fire service, our brothers and sisters, generations before us, didn't care about them. They cared about the whole. They cared about the greater good. Today, more than ever, we focus on the individual and not the whole. I think that has a lot to do with it. Today's budget matters. I'm not worried about budget five years from now or the health and wellness program or the response numbers and statistics or the sleep statistics for our companies because that's going to be somebody else's problem. Right now, I'm worried about me, my name, and I need to deliver a really good budget for the next four years while I'm sitting in the top spot so that I get that nice package when I decide to leave town hall. Mm -hmm. And I think the other thing, I and mean, this is coming from a guy that never rose above the rank of firefighter. You know, had a very interesting career, kind of a fire gypsy, if you like, and really enjoyed being in the fire gypsy. I, I had this plan to, to, to kind of promote, and I kept getting to where I could, and I was like, no. I don't want to be the panel. I don't want to be on a radio outside doing a 360. I want to go in. Yeah. I want to put fire out. I want to yeah. cut heat holes. I want to cut cars open. Um, and so, you know, there's that real love of the job. But <clears throat> I've lost my train of thought again. Um, where was I going with that? Uh, you were talking about you, ne you never rose above the rank of firefighter, and there was a reason for that. 
yeah, I, it was false economy. So, so <clears throat> what I at, coming from this place of you know the lowest rank in the fire service as someone who's kind of bounced around as from other countries, it did give me a way of kind of analyzing without being too deep into a department because okay. I, I literally was at no other no department longer than five years. So, and what I've seen is. For example, the way that we work our firefighters at the moment, and we can get into this, the crazy work weeks that are just, you know, 56 hour week minimums. And then you've got mandatories. Now you're talking about an 80 hour week, which is double what the person who does your taxes or bags your groceries does. Um, We are absolutely bleeding money in our counties and our cities. Sure. So it's an absolute false economy. And if you look at the corporate space, you look at Google, for example, I went to their headquarters a few months ago just because a, a, a friend of mine, her son worked there and, you know, a gym in the building, they kind of come and go as they, as they, as they choose, they're trusted to get their work done. It's the opposite of micromanaging. Now there's this push in the corporate space because they've tried it and it worked that a four day work week is just as good as a five day work week. And it's not like four tens now it's four, you know, regular right. eight hour days. But when you, you know, when you're told, Hey, if you can get the same amount of work done in 32 hours, you can go home and though they would just became more efficient and more innovative. And so, you know, understanding that if you invest in your, your firefighters and you give them the rest and recovery and you have the staffing that we need, you will actually save money in these city budgets. And that's what really, really blows me about. I am a white belt when it comes to economics, but when you look at it with this kind of a, a complete, beginner set of eyes and you understand sleep deprivation and injuries and, and mental health and sure. some of these other things and you put it all together in a very simple equation it's like well if you front end all this money that you're wasting in the back with medical retirements and workman's comp claims and overtime coverage and all these other things lawsuits from when we screw up you will save hand over fist you can open up some of these stations that you close you can put someone in the fourth seat so that i think is what's maddening again is we talk about, oh, we're a business. I, I disagree. We're not a business. But you want to use the mm. business model? Okay, well, then don't use the Chinese sweatshop model. Use Google or Virgin instead. Well, it's convenient conversation, right? I mean, that's really what it falls onto. And and I think that many people understand that. But to subscribe to that and then to put it into action is super difficult. I mean, look at what we do on a, on a large scale. We just keep adding debt, debt debt i mean we don't we're not worried about anywhere in society are we not worried about tomorrow even when we talk about green energy right i mean you know this zero emission standards all these all these goals they're setting and yet when they ask for the hard numbers and the real truths it's all it's all you know bs it's all paper it's all wrapped up it's all bows and and you know uh, streamers there's no legitimacy to many of it in the return on what they're instilling it just it doesn't make sense. I mean, I think we need to get back to a common sense approach on just everything. I really well, do. I give you the emissions thing it makes me laugh. Um, and it was the same when the gas prices went up and everyone's sure. losing their mind. You hear about you know plant based and again plant based and vegan. You know, I get it. Taking meat out and having processed shitty non meat products are two different things. You know, yes. a plant based, a true plant based diet. Is, is healthy for some people. I think a plant-based diet with some meat, which sounds counterproductive, is the perfect you know, sure. um, diet. But let's look at the way that people have sold vehicles in America. You know, it's you, your wife, and your child. Well, you need a Suburban. 
Oh, 100%. Small, a small mini bus. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and so when people were losing their minds over gas, I was like, well, where's the conversation about smaller vehicles? I mean, I grew up in, in England. You know, my car, I got a little Nissan Sentra, which would be a midsize in the UK. Sure. It's, I guess, small here. But you can do so much with a car. And there's people out there that need trucks. You know, there's people out there that need the biggest, bigger vehicles. Sure. But we are also sold this gravelly voice cowboy dude. Like, if you haven't got a Hemi and julie's then you're a bit of a little bitch so it's the same reason why there's a super like a the same reason why there's a super big gulp right like bigger is always better like we're always and that's that that's that i don't know that i, I don't want to say imperialistic attitude that many have but that's what that's what we've driven towards but at some point there's that cutoff, right? And I, I'm really struggling with that. And that's just a personal thing for me. It's not just the fire service. It's just society and life and the news and all of it. It's just gotten to a point where it's it's become an everyday battle to try to find common sense and just let's have a real conversation. And that's what I know is important for you with Behind the Shield, you are the the steward of conversation, right? You're bringing information forth to educate our first responders. Well, anybody that listens, but it's geared towards first responders, right? Military, right? And you're bringing in all sorts of different people that are, are subject matter experts, are experienced in that field. And you bring that in and you're the steward of that conversation to what? Educate me, educate the next guy about what is available or what people are doing. Knowing your past with the fire service, because I've listened to podcasts, you you talk about a lot of the very common things when it comes to firefighting, sleep and, you know, saving money, all those things, right? But I want to get into you. When you decided to take that leap of faith that I hear you talk about and go with the podcast, were you prepared for where it took you? I wasn't initially because I, I was on shift for two years when I built yeah. it up and it was, it was honestly, I mean, I was listening to Joe Rogan, Tim yeah. Ferriss, uh, the squad room, which is a, a law enforcement one. And then the original barbell shrug, those are kind of my four go-to. And, uh, it got to the point where I'd heard people on these podcasts and I'm like, why do we not know this in the fire? Service? Yes. And I listened to, you know, a couple of firefighter ones that were out there and they had a so-called, you know, nutrition or expert in whatever. And I'm like, no, and I, and I had an understanding of it because I've been a, a coach, an athlete, and an exercise physiology sure. major so in London and, and in Florida. So by no means an expert, but just knew enough to know this was not right. This wasn't, this was, again, like I said, this is weekend certification knowledge, not, uh, you know, journeyman knowledge. That two days, come back to the firehouse, you're now our, your expert. Yep. Exactly. So, you know, so I think that's, that's the big thing is finding them. But it's, it's the, the, the storytelling that I really became drawn to and, I, I and so two years go by and i'm really kind of getting <laughs> dragged into this and i had a, a moment I, I tore my meniscus i had surgery rehab back to go to full duty um again i had the, the other one done i think about two years before that um and i just came to this crossroads two years in i forget what the numbers were but it was it was to the point where it definitely was was gaining traction and i said to my wife i'm like i honestly think I'll do m more good doing the podcast than banging my head against a brick wall in this last place I spent five years trying to make better. And so many of the, the I would, you know, the, the, the kind of fired up firefighters that a lot of us are aware of, 
when you listen to their story, more often than not, they're not well received in their own department. And it was kind of the same thing again. So I'd rehab back and I literally was about to go back on duty. And I was like, nah, I think I'm done. So I put in my retirement papers, cashed out my retirement, which was basically enough to to pay me a salary for like 18 months. Bro, that's so, all in. Yeah, it was all the chips. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but then firstly, the moment I did that, the weight off my shoulders, realizing that really? I didn't answer to any of those people that made my life hell. Wow. So, so long. And that now, you know, I have like this conversation. Yeah. You know, there's no, oh, you know, you have your person email my person. There's no, oh, oh I love that. Calls. Talk about that. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, pick up the phone. Um, you know, I was just talking to Al Benjamin last night. Yeah, sure. Rescue one, Rescue retired. One. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And we, we did an episode together a while ago and we've remained really good friends and we talked for almost two hours last night. You know, it's just you have these incredible conversations and when you record them, you literally, and it's a free podcast, so you literally open it up to the world. So you might be here in America or you might be in <laughs> Cape Town or Tibet. As yeah. long as you have an internet connection, you understand English, you can access the same exact knowledge. So it was it was a leap of faith and it's terrifying financially. I mean, even right now, as we record, some of my ride or die sponsors have kind of backed off a bit because there's you know, potential I get financial it. crisis. I get again. it. But it is what it is. No one said it was going to be easy. But the liberation from not being told what to do anymore, um, especially an aha moment I had only a couple of years ago was. I felt so much autonomy in the fire service. I mean, when we're on the rescue, for example, it's me and my partner. We go where we want. We jump calls. You know, right. we, we go these absolutely ghastly, um, you know, calls that we get pulled on, and then you're just cleaning up the back, and then you go get a bird. You know, it's just it's you feel like you're king of the world. Yeah. But you're actually told when to show up, sure. what to wear, how to shave, you know, when to do your telestat, you know, all all these things, and you realize, okay, there is some freedom within it, but you are. You know, there's very little autonomy, actually. So that liberation was was eye opening as well. But you know, you know, what's really interesting to me, though, is how the liberation came from getting not having to answer to them. It wasn't a th you felt liberated. You felt good. The weight was lifted off your shoulders, whereas you would think the weight would have been put on your shoulders 10 times over because the financial security, the medical, whatever, whatever it was, the security of having that job vanished and yet you felt better it's it was, wild it was interesting yeah i because i'd served for 14 years by that point right and it, i was never ever ready to leave the fire service from the profession point of view i loved it like i said i didn't want to rise above firemen i was yeah. still right you know if you hear these older guys oh if i see another fire it'd be too many like, <laughs> no you're wrong yeah okay <laughs> you're coming from the wrong department my man yeah exactly yeah so usually those are the guys that actually were not slaying a lot of dragons but but, um, you know, so I had that burning desire. But when you transition out initially, there is that ego thing. So many people struggle with when they promote or they, they get hurt or they get fired or they retire. And I volunteered for a heartbeat here where I live now. And yeah. I just felt like a paramedic ride along. It was just it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't the same. It wasn't right because it's yeah. not like, you know, full volunteer. It was yeah. you can fill an extra seat if you want. Um, so, you know, that was that was interesting. But let me let also me redefining service. Okay. So just to, just to finish this thought. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So you realize that you're on the same mission. You became a firefighter because you truly want to help people. There are a thousand other ways to do the same thing. So the Green Berets talk about um, being a force multiplier. They go yeah. in, they train militia. They don't go kicking doors. And all Correct. That. 
And that's what it felt like for me at that crossroads. Okay, I can actually start helping the people that are out there, boots on the ground, and bring all the information and fight for the work week to change and bring mental health and all these things. And then those, you know, million firefighters in the US, for example, are then hopefully whoever listens is going to take that information from that expert and it's going to improve their marriage, their home life, whatever it is. And they're going to then go on and save umpteen number of people after that. The impact of a podcast to get information out there, to be the steward of that information, it's huge. And if you felt, and I know you do, because I've heard you talk about it, you were making more of an impact today than you were riding backwards in a fire department that you were unhappy in being in. What I find really interesting about your story is, um, and I want to I want to get to the the beginning story, but we're going to get there in a second. Life's funny, and I'm learning this as I get older, that life and how life plays out, it's really funny. Because I, I asked myself today while I was listening to you on another podcast, and I was just getting a sense about you. I said to myself, if this guy stayed on the West Coast in Anaheim, which was a fire department that is still near and dear to you, and it was some, it was an institution that you were very proud of. You were a tillerman there. You were a fireman. It was a good department. You had a good upbringing through that department. You wonder that if you stayed at Anaheim, would the Behind the Shield podcast be happening? I wonder the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah because yeah. when I had um, a couple of guests, I'm, I'm blanking on the name now. It will come to me, and it was Mike... Um, Oh, God, I wish I could remember his last name now. That's what happens when you got 800 episodes of the books. Mike Gagliano. Oh, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I love Mike. This house rocks. Yes. We we were talking about, I'm like, Anaheim Truck 1 A-Shift was that thing. Yeah. And what was sad is when I moved back, because I moved back, and we had a little boy, and my my son's mother, my ex now, um, wanted to be close to the family. And the only thing I love more than the fire service is my family. Of course. That always comes number one. Sure. I left my dream department, went back out east, and then the next 10 years, I was just chasing that thing. Yeah. So that was what was so hard. But if I'd stayed there, even though my crew would have changed, my my truck partner, he ended up hurting his back. My uh, captain, he retired about three years later. And then my engineer, you know, he, he promoted and went to a different station. So it wouldn't have been the same. But I do wonder without that, without seeing the other side of it. You work for this amazing place. And Hialeah before that, the training I had in Hialeah was phenomenal. My entrance into the fire service was like smoke diver on, on steroids. No kidding. Yeah. And then I go to Anaheim. And then I go to Orange County in the Orlando area, which was a mixed bag. And right. Some phenomenal firefighters and, and first shoes where they just just work, work their asses off. And then the last one, which was the polar opposite on the spectrum. Yeah. And so without that kind of gypsy view of the fire service, I don't think I would have even had the the experience to have the discussions that I have today. Yeah. I love that. I, I think, you know, <laughs> you came in on the top, you know what I'm saying? Like when it came to departments and I, there's something to be said for that, but it's a real good perspective of what the American fire service is. There are incredible departments out there that promote their people. They hold, they hold a above you know, a, a line of a, they don't even know what a minimum standard is, if you will, because they don't want anybody there. They want people above that standard all day long and to perform even at their worst to be well above the minimum standard. And then we have departments that truly don't care 
as long as the checks boxes check boxes are there. And the thing that drives me bananas, and I was thinking about this today too, is you talk to military people, you talk to people from all different walks of life, and a lot of what the common theme is with the people you talk about is there's a lot of discipline and a lot of pride in what they do and who they are. And then, you know, you you have, uh, I'm sure, I'm not a big military buff. I know a lot of people are with podcasts and so on. I'm just not. It wasn't something that was, um, you know, that I listen to often or this or that. But military, bankers, carpenters, you name it, whatever profession it is, you have good and you have bad. I mean, that's just a given, right? But you, you don't want to have big swings when it comes to the overall service to the customers that we provide our service to. But you do find that departments sometimes are circling the drain and there is little to no hope for those people that are a part of it. Well, what's sad is when you travel the country and you work for different departments, you realize how fragmented mm. the American fire service is. And people ask me, you know, people come from, you know, organizations like Beaver Fit is a good one. I think their exercise stuff is incredible and they have, to me, the solution of the legitimate reasons why a lot of people can't access fitness equipment you know their stuff you can put in in a bay outside whatever right. but they say to me like how how do you communicate is there is there a you know governing body that yeah. connects everyone i'm like that we have the union but in 14 years i never really saw great information disseminated across the whole country where everyone listened and they knowledge shared and everything like they just didn't so then you have some places where you know fd and pd don't like each other so they don't play play right. well and then you have a school shooting wonder why no one's talking to each other you know, right. or county and city so this is the, the the real issue is as you said there are departments that do things really really well but they don't communicate with with other people i mean they, they might be trying to but when you've got you know whatever it is twenty thousand silos yeah. and everyone trying to reinvent their peer fit pair support program and their fitness program and you know working on on hiring and all these things it's the same as the States. And I talk about this quite a lot. You know, we beat our chest and say we're the greatest country in the world. And I love that, um, that one clip from, I think it's called, is it newsroom? Jeff. Oh Davis. my God. Yeah. Like every time I, that comes to my feet, I watch the whole thing. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and people be like, Oh, you know, shut up, go back home and all that stuff. But it's like, no, if you love a country, you want to rise it up. You want to make it better. Absolutely. But you can't sit back in the lazy boy eating Cheetos expect to, your country just get better without you trying. So when you look at Norway, their prisons, you look at Finland, their schools, you look at Portugal, their drug policy, England, the NHS. Yeah. There are countries doing certain things around the world really, really well. And if we had the humility to just say, That's so good. How do you do that? We would, you know, the rising tide raises all ships. We would lift everyone up. And it's the same with the fire service. If we would knock those silos down, get over our egos and actually communicate with each other and talk and knowledge share we would raise everyone up you know and what would be awesome for example would be that nationally we go the firefighter work week should be 42 hours you know 24 72 to me mm. that's the gold standard right but you know you without this conversation they we talk about you know we we love two things the way it is and um you know we hate two things the way it is and, and change yeah that's because we're not talking to each other that's right if we actually spoke and understood how i mean for example we revere fdny they work 40 hours a week so we we revere their their um you know their high-rise operations but we won't revere their work week right you know what i mean so this yeah is yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think communication yeah. is the key 
I think what's interesting about that, though, James, and and you are a part of this. It's a national voice. It's a it's a voice for the people. And and as weird as that might sound, or maybe it doesn't. I don't know. Like I struggle with it sometimes when people are like, "Oh yeah, well you did this and you." And I'm like, "No, no, no. I'm just I'm just the steward, right? We deliver a message. We sh- we've been able to." Um, grow a community that we're a part of. And if we can share messages across that community or share a conversation with somebody that knows a little bit more than I do, then it's a win, right? I think today more than ever, though, there's this movement in the fire service where the people are educating themselves and not just relying on what they're being told behind the garage doors that they work or volunteer at. Yeah. And I have to say, you know, kudos to you and all the other people that have podcasts, whether it's in our profession or anything. I think, you know, podcasts, writing books, documentaries, those are the, that's the new renaissance of yeah. information. I mean, look at Joe Rogan. Sure. And he's literally got Donald Trump trying to grab his hand in the UFC. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's wild. <laughs> and, and he's trying to pull his hand away the whole time. Um, but anyway, you know, that's, that's where it is. And all, all it is, is someone who's found a way of having a conversation without any filters. And it's not so you can talk shit and conspiracy theories and all this stuff, but you can have a conversation and you can bring in an expert in their field and the person that hits play can literally be the third person in that room. They can't interrupt. They have to let these people actually articulate their thoughts. And if it's a good host, then they will ask a question, you know, like you do. And then, and then listen, you know, and Joe yeah. does and Tim Ferriss does. Sure. Joe does unless you talk about Ivermectin. Then yeah, forget it. He just goes off for 20 <laughs> minutes. But uh, but no, but I think this is this is it. This is such a great medium now to remove the silos, to remove those barrier to entries. You know, you, what I love about the the free ones, you know, which which most of ours are, is again, it, you don't. There's no budget needed. Just right. freaking hit play in your car yeah. on the way home, or when you're running, or in the gym, or washing you know, dishes, or mowing the grass. You can access these these people whose, whose work is in Stanford or in NASA or working with Navy SEALs and they are talking to you yes. and you can take that same information just, you know, as Bruce Lee says, absorb what's you know, pertinent, what's useful to you, discard the rest. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Would, did, did that always come natural for you to be the facilitator to, I mean, your early days, I've, I've never really heard you talk about your early days in England. I've always heard you talk about like your beginning of your story is usually Anaheim and California and and so on. But your early years, your upbringing, were you inquisitive? Were you a conversationalist? Did you enjoy sitting and listening to the grandparents at the table? Or what was what was that like for you? I think really kind of the, the genesis of it. And I've, I've said this a couple of times. Probably, <clears throat> probably quite a long time ago now. Um I grew up on a farm and my dad was a veterinary surgeon. Oh, no kidding. Um, and his, his specialty was equine, so horses. Yeah. And so we would literally have people walk through the door, some of whom were extended royalty. Sure. All the way through to, to you know, gypsies. And yeah. every so often, you know, there'd be a homeless gentleman that would camp out on our drive and my parents would bring him in and, you know, give him a bed for a couple of nights and bath and new clothes. And so I got to see that really there's two types of people you know good people and bad people and even with the bad people you know when you look at it with a with a compassionate lens it's people that have had things happen that have created the behavior but you know so regardless of socioeconomic status you get to interact with all these human beings yes and so as a small kid i'm not really you know giving my two cents i'm in eight nine ten so i'm listening a lot and then i'm just getting to see 
that compassion through my parents, you know, the, the, obviously the healing of animals is a huge one. The grind of actually working on a farm. I always, you know, talk about being half asleep in school and getting told off, <laughs> you know, must've been staying up watching TV. I'm like, no, I was yeah. lambing. Actually. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You can't tell a teacher right. that, so whatever. Yeah. So yeah, I'm a bad boy. But yeah, so I think it was all that. It was a very unique lens, um, a lot of different types of people. And then, yeah, even on a credit podcast too, you know, as I've progressed and I've listened to what it sounds like two human beings having a present conversation yeah. without stepping over each other, without a debate, because I hate that word. Nothing is solved by debate, you know, yeah, but a conversation right. mm -hmm. where you can disagree is such a powerful thing. So I think, you know, as you progress through and, you know, when you're wearing a uniform, I'd like to think if you, you know, you've really, you're, you're heading towards mastery when you can converse with, you know, like I said, a Lord of the Manor on one call and then the next call you're going on a homeless gentleman or, right. you know, um, you know, an addict or whatever it is. And it's not, again, it's not, money's nothing, but you can just interact with different types of people with different stories. And so then it was applying what we do at work into a conversational space and then being curious because we're jack of all trades master of none well um, curiosity is huge right and you talk about being eight nine and ten on this farm and you, not much to say but you listened i think for guys like you and i that have podcasts that are are regularly released always talking with different guests i mean i'm constantly learning the only way you can learn is when you when you're willing to listen um, listening is a skill that I think is lacking more than ever today. I don't think anybody really listens anymore. And then the whole conversation between listen, listening and hearing. But I think what makes for a good interviewer and somebody that's truthfully or, or truly invested in a conversation is somebody that is willing to listen. Um, I've had to learn that. <laughs> yeah, you and me both. As I, okay. All right. Because I know for me, like my early... You know, my early years in the fire service and so on, I didn't listen much, man. I knew everything, you know, um, but that humble pie kept getting served up. And then what I've come to realize is there are some really great people in this world, experiences and stories that I'm missing out on because I think I know better than the next. Some of the most knowledgeable people, and I'll give an example, Peter Park, who's one of the in the strength and conditioning world, he's revered. Okay. He's worked with a lot of high-level athletes. And in my conversation, he kept asking me what I would do in that coaching situation. Mm. And I was like, I'm I'm like a, you know, I coach one class one hour a week. Right. You know, and I think at the time I was coaching CrossFit maybe three or four. But even so, you know, part-time weekend warrior style coach. And this guy is training elite athletes. And it was that humility. He still wanted to know. There was probably yeah. something that I would say. That's that right. Go, oh, I never thought about that. So that is a real aha moment when you read the, meet the real experts in their field. And I always say this, even with, with, with MMA fighters and, and, you know, operators and you know, seals and SAS, et cetera. Some of the most dangerous people I know are some of the nicest people I know. And it's the same with the, the true experts. They are some of the most inquisitive, humble people as well. And that's why, I mean, that's why you want to, you want, when you can get a seat at that table, Right. I mean, I, I've been in places, I've been in conversations where I just pinch myself, you know, like I can't believe I'm sitting here right now, you know. Um, and that to me, though, I'm very protective of. You form and have formed tremendous relationships over the course. You started, I believe, in 2016, James? The podcast? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so 2016. And 
it takes for for people that don't really know what what goes into a podcast. There's tremendous amount of work that goes into it, and a lot of it is just the abilities to cold call, network, meet people, put it together, make it happen. Your Rolodex is vast, I'm sure, with the amount of guests that you've had on, and you talk to people that are from all walks of life. What is that? What? You you have you are now becoming that student of everything, right? I mean, I'm I'm jealous of that in a way, right? We talked about my podcast, your podcast. Mine is pretty narrow. It's the fire service, man. Tradition and cultures of the fire service and topics and issues and and preserving stories and perpetuity for the next generation. But man, you get to go down all these different roads. What's that like for you? Firstly, like you said, it's that it's that moment where you're like, um, you know, you just look back 10 years ago and you never would have, you wouldn't be able to have these conversations in the first place. Right. But, you know, they, they say you're the sum of the people, the five people closest to you. And it's not so much that I've got five specific people that, you know, are, are, are kind of shaping me, <laughs> but it's where you may have talked about what was on TV or what this sports team did or whatever. You just like, God, every question, every conversation I have is just, it's valuable. Like it's, it's truly talking about something that will make a difference in the yeah. world, you know? So that in itself is, is absolutely phenomenal. But then what happens is as you recruit this knowledge from all these great people, now you have even more interesting responses to the questions or the answers to the questions in the interview. Well, yeah. I had this person from South Africa and they were doing this thing. And then they said that. And then this person would be like, oh, my God, I've never heard of that before. That sounds amazing. And, you know, and now you're bringing, because it's not you. you know, I'm not sitting here saying James Gearing came up with all this stuff. I didn't. I'm, as you talk about being a steward, yeah. I think I'm, I'm a sure. conduit. I'm literally a wire between an a conduit. And yeah. But you accrue so much that you can critically think now. You know, you, as a paramedic, you learn your drug doses and your, you know, cardioversion jewels and all these things. And, and early on, you're just trying to remember that you get into your career a little bit and then you start kind of housing it a little bit. You know, you start thinking outside the box. And that is to me where I feel like now having listened to 800 people, I'm not an expert in anything, but it, there's so much to pull on to ask interesting questions. And then it circles around like, wow, that would totally pertain to the fire service, you know? So I think that's really it. It's, it you know, when you first start this, you're like, you know, where were you born? Da, 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 and you kind of Q&A at the beginning. But I'm sure it's the same with you. You've, you've had so many fire service people on and even, you know, your, your work with, with the tools that we work with and the engines and trucks sure. and everything. You know, you, once you accrue that, it gives you a totally different lens. And so someone said to me, oh, it's like you've got a, a PhD. And in a way, if you look at the hours, because most of mine sure. are like two, two and a half hour conversations, if each one was a lecture, then yeah, you would have accrued some sort of, you know, higher education certification by now. Mm. But it just allows you to have a, a have really interesting conversations and B, which is a, my favorite thing. Anytime someone says, James, I've got a problem with X, I can say, I'm going to send you three podcasts. Love that. I'm going to give you homework. And it's not me again. I'm not the expert. No, I think, you know what you are? I don't, I don't know if you're going to like this or not, but you're a librarian. Yeah. You know, I'm when. Super gangster. Right? Super gangster yeah. librarian that's badass, you know, has the coolest library in, in the state, you know, like, but you go to a library, you know, okay, you know what? This is crazy because like 
a lot of people that listen to this show probably don't even have never stepped foot in the library. So the younger generation, right? Libraries aren't what they used to be. Me growing up, you go to the library and you talk to the librarian and you say, I'm looking for X, Y, and Z. And they already have authors, book titles, and ideas of where to go. And then they'll point you in the right direction. That's cool. It's yeah. very cool. Absolutely. Yeah. So what is it about it? Like for you, right? I mean, I know it's pushing it forward it's paying back it's giving back to the fire service that was good to you right for the most part in your career there's that but where's the selfish side for you where's the where's the part that james gearing needs a little bit of every time you do a podcast or somebody has something to say like what's the little selfish side I think, I mean, they, they talk about compassion being selfish. Yeah. When, when you do something kind, and this is what makes unkindness so strange. When you're a dick to someone, as long as you're not a sociopath, there's a little part of you that feels kind of nasty after. Sure. But when you're kind to someone, there's that endorphin, dopamine, whatever <sighs> it is. You know, there's that, Absolutely. that payback, that hormonal payback. So I think it's that. Like, I, if I was looking at what serves me, I don't want any more people to die before their time. We're all going to die, but I don't want anyone to die needlessly. I don't want anyone to suffer needlessly. So every time, and you know, I definitely am a, an empath, which is why, you know, that whole jaw-breaking thing, like I, it breaks my heart when someone on the other side of the country passes away that I've never met in my life. Yeah. And these, you know, my department wasn't even grieving the person that worked in the same freaking station. Yeah. But um, so, you know, I feel that pain, you know, I, I do. So I think the real selfish push is the more of a dent that we make in a positive direction, the less death notifications you see where someone suddenly passed, which means overdose suicide, for example, and your heart isn't broken yet again. So I mm. think really, I mean, it's coming from, from kindness and giving, but there is, if you're going to say the selfish things, I don't want to grieve over and over and over again, because someone in uniform or another civilian who had no idea how to eat, how to move. Yeah. And now we're sticking a, you know, a tube down their throat at 48 years old and we've lost them, you know? So if there was a selfish thing, it's that, I mean, you know, we, we think of giving as, as being selfless, but of course there is a reward. And I just, it, it breaks my heart seeing people suffer. It breaks my heart hearing heartbroken families when their loved one has passed. And we did everything in the book everything we were trained to and they still die you yeah. know so if there was a selfish side it was that yeah i so much to that so much to that because i that endorphin dump that you talk about right with being kind man i i've never i'm 46 years old and i am so happy with where i've come and where i'm at right now compared to where i was i credit the podcast with a lot of it um i feel that every conversation i wanted to ask you this I feel that every conversation I have with a guest pushes me to want to be better. And then I have that struggle of then actually doing it, right? And and I'm one of those guys that I struggle with things like that sometimes, you know, where I struggle that I should be better, I should be doing better. Um, I'm not a baby step guy. I'm a, I'm a you know, I'm a pretty big incremental guy. I, I need, you know, big steps. Um, and I've, I'm learning to take smaller steps and um, because then you don't let yourself down as much, I believe, you know. Um, but for me, like that's uh, holding myself accountable to the people I'm talking to. You talk to 
all-stars, rock stars, people that have been there, done that. Their pedigree is strong, and they bring a, a solid message to your community. When you get done with them after two, two and a half hours, are you sitting there exhausted? Like, oh, my God, how does he do this? It's it's a mixed bag. Like, mm. some you finish and you're invigorated. You're fired up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I genuinely listen to, yeah, like Greg from uh, Wolf Brigade. Um, I said on the recording, I'm going to start doing your programming. I am doing Wolf Brigade programming now. You know, okay. I, I will try and do, I watch book uh, documentaries or read books that they suggest. So I'll, I will genuinely pull a lot from, from these guests. But what's interesting is so many people, so many people in our profession have elements of trauma when they were younger. And sadly, in the, the kind of first responder mental health conversation, we never really talk about sleep deprivation. We never really talk about childhood trauma. Okay. And, and so many of these high performers, you know, there's sexual abuse, there's, there's growing up around domestic violence and, and uh, addiction and all these other things. And so when you walk through some of these people, some of these, you know, so many of them were at that point, you know, holding a pistol, you know, just, mm. just at mm -hmm. their absolute bottom. And when you are being present and truly trying to listen and truly when the time is right, having a compassionate response to what they've said and adding layers and, um, you know, drawing off that, that can be very, very emotionally draining. Yes. It's, it's for the most beautiful reason. This other human being has trusted you. Yes. Bear their soul and tell you that thousands of people will listen to, but thousands of people will actually truly resonate with and, and make them question some of their own, um, you know, things going on in their head. But it is, it, it actually takes quite a toll. And if you're not careful, if you do a few conversations that happen to be in a row, uh, you gotta you gotta hit the pause button because you know there was one time <laughs> I was talking to my wife about this. It was about I think about eight months ago now, and I was in the shower and I just started crying. I had no idea why, and I cried on and off for two days straight. And it wasn't like I've been depressed. It wasn't oh I'm thinking about this person I lost. It was just sadness, like yeah. crushing sadness. And eventually, you know, I, it got it all out, and then, then it was fine again. But but yeah, I mean, some stories can be um energizing yeah. but a lot of them the i would argue the more important ones heavy it's just like um i, I kind of wrote the analogy in uh, in my book the green mile you know uh, michael clark duncan's character every time he takes someone's pain it takes a little bit from him unless you can get that out again it will kind of you know beat you down so some of these men and women that have kind of become figures from their mental health stories and travis house or dustin hawkins if they're not careful, everyone's calling them. And this is one thing that I've realized recently is that we all need to create very small tribes within our tribes I love that. and just watch each other so that we're not, you know, overwhelming your quote unquote peer support guys, or, you know, you're the one person who's been very courageous with their story, but we actually all are kind of buddy system, you know, we're all looking out for each other so we can spread that, that, um, emotional toll and that that way you're not burned out and you can be there for someone you've always been so in touch with emotion i mean there's there's so much to it right and i i listen to you speak um you're very um calculated i think you're articulate um you and and that comes from listening as well right and and so i don't know man like it's just you do very well at what you do and I'm 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 sitting here kind of just jealous of it in a way, 
Um, but it's it's got to be incredibly fulfilling, and and yet there's so much give from you on this. Um, for it to be your career, the highs and lows of it all. Yeah, to- yeah. I mean, it's it's again, it's it's that it's that burning desire mm. to to change, you know. And you have to be careful because there'll be weeks where you know, first thing I'm thinking about in the morning, and then the last thing at night. So I've just recently changed my routine where now I do foundation training and meditate, and then walk my dog. So I'm not actually allowing myself to kind of think about the podcast Got until, it. you know, like an hour and a half into my day because yeah. it will, you know, and then you're trying to want, relax with the family and you're, you know, I mean, the text will pop up, Hey, I've got a great guest suggestion for you. And then off down the rabbit hole you go. So, um, so yeah, but I mean, it is, again, there's no greater motivator than a funeral, mm. a funeral of someone who died prematurely when you're living this incredible life and you've got the health, you know, and, you're watching people that didn't grow up on a farm. They didn't have an orchard and a, and a garden where they watched vegetables grow and they understood where meat came from. And, you know, they couldn't help but exercise because you're running up and down and having to pick weeds and stones from the fields and herd sheep and feed chickens and yeah. run from the chickens because they're really aggressive. Um, you know, so so the the things that I was so fortunate to have growing up, it is that pay it forward, you know, and, and yeah. And, because there, as you touched on before, there's a lot of narcissism and selfishness within certain groups at the moment. Sure. You're, you know, you kind of have to get the baseball bat with the barbed wire wrapped around and, you know, kind of get out there and be aggressive to, to, to counter the selfishness movement and the divisive movement and bring the, the unity movement and the kindness and compassion movement. So rather than, for example, Oh, this homeless problem. These bums are everywhere. Mm. Looking at it's like, why have we got so home, so many addicts and homeless in the most affluent country in the world? What right. are we doing wrong, and how can right. we fix it? Yeah. Before, I mean, now that you had the the podcast six, seven years, seven years now at it, it's given you a lot of tools. I'm curious. You talked about six funerals, and that was a lot of what led you up to getting on the microphone and starting to answer some questions that you had were you did you lack some tools before today that you dealt with situations or experiences where you were looking for more looking for answers finding a different way absolutely i mean before for example foundation training before i started the podcast i hurt my back lifting a patient and murphy's law it was a hyper event you know not, not yeah. a true emergency right 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 right. but the way the rescue was parked there was no dump on that particular vehicle didn't the stretcher wouldn't go in i kind of hyperextended my back big pop and then next thing i can't even put my shoes on anymore so i was always in pursuit of something better but when you start unpacking the absolute smorgasbord of problems yeah it's just one after another after another so then it becomes you know mad excuse me maddening on one side but exciting on the other because you dive into you know overcoming back pain simply by doing a movement practice you know and and you kind of um on that particular thing you realize okay a lot of people have bulging discs that's not you know that doesn't equal surgery that you can actually build the musculature around the spine the way it's supposed to be right and that will take the pressure off the nerves and you can have bulges and live a you know a 
excellent, you know, life and deadlift and <laughs> do jujitsu and all these other things to be absolutely fine and be a firefighter. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, and then with the mental health stuff, you start unpacking that. And initially it was like, um, you know, just getting to the origins. And then I, I learned through Jake Clark about childhood trauma and like, oh my God, that blows my mind. And then you start listening about organizational stress and like, oh my God, that's what I had in my last place. And then, you know, seat deprivation and then the list grows and grows and grows. So I was always looking for solutions, but I didn't realize the depth okay. of each of these conversations. And then one of the things I would say now, when I look at a problem now, seven years later, you now have a Jenga tower yes. of contributing factors. So you talk about school shootings every single time. It's like World War One. All right. Which trench are you going to go pro gun or anti gun? Oh, don't worry about those kids and their parents. They'll be fine. Let's talk about guns. Yeah. You know right. what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then lo and behold, nothing happens. And then, you know, the next shiny object comes and everyone's forgotten about it and they've moved on. When it comes to that conversation, you've got, you know, childhood trauma that was never addressed. You've got obviously the family unit. You've got the side effects of psychiatric meds. You've got bullying. You've got, of, co of course, availability of firearms. That's obviously one part of this puzzle. But there's so many others, the school safety. I mean, you know, the, all these things that compound for this perfect storm of this individual to have a psychotic breakdown. Right. So I think that was a big thing as I started looking for a two-dimensional solution. And then you open Pandora's box and yeah. go, oh, my God. Here we go. so much here. Yeah. But then you can, you can start putting it into a way that is then palatable for people to understand. Because one of the most maddening things I hear these days is – Oh yeah, but it's complicated, which is you know the 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 verbiage of the coward. Basically, I'm not prepared to do anything because yeah, it's hard. I don't want to work so, at it. Yeah. yeah. So yes, there there is some complications to it, but if you take all those things and put them into some sort of order, you can show them it's not complicated. There's just a it's a multifaceted approach, but it's not complicated. It's just going to take work in each of these areas rather than saying we're going to ban guns or we're going to have an NRA rally next to Sandy Hook, whichever, whichever trend you're in. I mean, everything takes work and I, and that's, what's lacking, right? It's this, it's this uh, belief that the, the work is worth it. You know what I'm saying? Like the, 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 you as a, a kid growing up on a farm lambing, I think you called it, right? Did you call it yeah. lambing? Right. Yeah. So what is that where you shave the, shave the lambs or, What's lambing? No, no. So, so lambing is literally when they're giving birth. Oh, okay. So, you know, a lot of a lot of sheep will, you know, they'll they'll give birth. The lamb will be healthy. They'll they'll chew the umbilical themselves and you know lick the uh, the the film, the membrane off the, the lamb, and they'll Got start it. breathing and okay. everything's good. But you go around there and there's some that have problems. And you know, my dad's a vet, so sure. Know, the, um, you know, breech birth and all these things. Oh, I've watched it on. T my daughter was into the uh, the animal <laughs> veterinary stuff on TV for a little while there, so they're using come-alongs and everything else. So I mean, it, it's crazy. But my point of that was, from an early age, you were taught work ethic, and you were taught on a farm. There's no shortcuts, right? Like you don't you don't take shortcuts because when you do, you cheapen the process, and usually the end result is never as good as the original, correct? Well, you just, you can't take a shortcut. Right. You know, I mean, that for example, that real basal thing, if the chickens need to be fed, then you've got to get up an hour before school. And I love you got to go and you got to get, you know, the yeah. feed in the bucket and you got to walk up to the field and you got to fling it around and, you know, you got to check for eggs and there's, there's, there is no shortcut. You know, if you've got to go pull weeds up in the field, then you've got to go row by row and 
you know, on your hands and knees and pull weeds and pull rocks out, whatever it is. So I think that's that's just it. Now, are there more efficient ways of doing certain things? Absolutely. And sure. That, you know, that's that's a big part of the conversation. But I don't. But nothing on a farm is easy. Yeah, but so I, I also don't think that everything needs to be super efficient. I think there's there's reasons for taking the long way to get there or there's reasons to get scraped up knees on the rock walkway picking weeds because it teaches you another level of maybe respect or understanding or care, right, or attention to detail. And I think that that's part of what we're missing throughout conversations. And where, where I wanted to take this was I just wanted to ask you, I mean, I have four kids and I know you talked about you have one, I believe, right? Yeah, I've got my I got my son, and then I've got my bonus boy, my stepson, who's awesome. twenty two. I love that, right? So, like raising them versus how you were raised, it's very different. And I struggle with how I was raised versus how I'm raising my kids. Now, I I like to think that I'm doing a pretty good job. My kids are please and thank you kids. They're taught manners, morals, ethics, values, all important things that we talk about in my house. And in fact, as they've gotten older, I'm really starting to see it come out of them now compared to maybe their friends or people that they pal around with, right? And just the different parenting styles. Bro, that's got to be hard for you because, you know, you are so involved in different types and aspects of things when it comes to mental health, when it comes to PTSD and Diet, exercise, all these topics that you talk about to educate us first responders and military people and people that pay attention to your podcast, but you still have to run a home too. And it's like finding that balance. And I know there's no such thing as balance because I, I haven't found it and I never will. But my point is, though, is like the disconnect, I think, right? It's hard. No? It is. I mean, it's 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 definitely been challenging because technically I've been a single dad most of the time. But my sure. wife, she's on her way home now, but she is three hundred miles away. You know, wow. five yeah. days a week, and then we try and see each other every weekend, if not every other weekend. My son's mother has been in nursing school the last two years, so you know, again, it's not no, no need yeah. for a violin. There's a lot of people. No, I. It's life. Children. It's but life, yeah, man. But it's definitely that. But the. <laughs> The contrast with the farm, because we we've always lived in suburbia. Like yeah. I haven't, and just never had the opportunity to raise him. And where we live now, I, I wouldn't want him to live on a farm because we're in a community in a, in Ocala, Florida. And what they did, they built it's technically five mini suburbs around this central playing area. So there's, there's a soccer soccer pitch, football pitch, um, basketball court, tennis courts, and then there's a clubhouse with a pool. And so the kids truly can go out till the straight lights come on right. and then come home. It's all pedestrianized in the middle part. It's amazing. So that has definitely helped with him. That's fantastic. Getting out of the house. Yeah. But another th interesting thing, just while we're on parenting, it's not exactly answering yeah. the question, but it was kind of an interesting aha. When he was very little, you know, like toddler age, and you know, I could do a little pat on the thigh, like literally just a, a slap. No. And then I kind of had this thing like, okay, he's getting a little bit older now. I don't want him to think that that's, what we do is if you don't want something you you, you hit someone even though i was <laughs> i was uh definitely exposed to victorian um punishment i got spanked up. when it when i when it was deserved as a kid are you kidding you piss off mom and then dad comes home eight hours later and he yeah. they didn't talk during the day so i got my ass whooped when i thought everything was fine you know what i mean yeah exactly and i they would you know get me to go out there and choose a, a branch and come back and whip my ass with it <laughs> absolutely wooden wooden flip yeah and stuff. but so anyway, I went to the um, timeout. It was very alien to me being pretty much early from England, but I'm like, okay, well, this sounds like a good idea. 
it worked really well until one day my seg- my son goes, I don't want to come out of timeout and completely destroy the whole thing that is timeout. If they don't want to come out of it, right. they just totally yeah. called your bluff. So then, and he's about that's funny four by this point, I think. Smart kid. And so is able to understand, you know, yeah. conversations now. So I started simply basing all my parenting on kindness and compassion. Yeah. So whatever it was, it'd be like, well, is that a kind thing to do? And that was, I'd never, ever, you know, smacked him on the leg or anything again, but that was the core. And so as we've got older, and then another big thing is he's watched me be a martial artist and an athlete and, you know, do firefighter competitions and all that stuff where he didn't grow up on a farm and have that kind of discipline, the kindness and compassion has stayed and he's almost 16 now and still a real love it. sweet little boy. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's as big as me now, but he's still sweet, but completely on his own. When he first went to, to high school, about three weeks in, he's like, dad, I joined up for JROTC. I'm like, Oh, wow. Okay. The military program. I'm like, okay. Why? Yeah. Well, I was doing PE, but we never did anything. We just watched PowerPoints. So I watched the JRO to see people exercise, so I joined them. Awesome. And then he's put himself through the the track and cross country, and he now runs varsity for his school. I will not take any credit. I mean, of course, there's osmosis, but this is all <laughs> off his own back. So this is what's really amazing, is if you walk the walk and you create an environment for your kids to find their own version of your childhood, That's right. it's not going to be the same. That's right. Yeah, this is not an English, English farm. It's, I love it's a it. suburban Ocala. But they can still have that, you know, and that's what drives me crazy with the kind of kids today participation trophy kind of, you know, bullshit talk that a lot of people that don't even exercise talk about young people is I've watched him get up and do like mini triathlons. He's done Spartan races. You know what happens to Spartan race? They give you a medal. Yeah. A participation trophy. Right. But you earned it because you just ran 15 miles through barbed wire. and You earned it. so, you know, there's a lot of discouraging thing for these kids, but if you can inspire them, if you walk the walk and actually get out there yourself, that's the, the number one thing, but find a different version of what you have when you were young, because they can get out there, but these kids are up against it. You know, the whole world is around these devices. And if sure. we don't inspire them to get out, they're going to get sucked into that vortex that is technology. Yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I think that that's so important. And, uh, Kindness and compassion, man, goes a very long way. I think we need more of that more than ever in the world in which we live today. Yeah, yeah. And sadly, you know, when we were young, they're like, one day you could be prime minister or president. Well, the last, uh, I'll say, few years, plural, it spans both sides of the aisle. I haven't seen a lot of kindness and compassion no. from the White House. So, you know, sadly, even even that position is not exuding the very uh, religious doctrines that these people say they they claim to be part of. So I think we need to you know go back to to the old school, like you said, the values of you know of community, kindness, compassion, yeah, you know, and gratitude is another huge one. And I think ultimately it all falls under accountability. When individuals hold themselves, and when we hold people accountable for who they are and their actions, well, then we can start to affect change. Right. But as long as people can get away with whatever and however they act or behave or whatever they do, they can get away with it with minor repercussion or not even a slap on the wrist or or any any pushback. Well, then they're just going to keep taking more. I mean, it's just it's just inevitable. So I don't know, brother. So what's next for behind the shield podcast? What's next for you, man? You're crushing. I mean, you're you're killing it, man. What's next? Well, I mean, more of the same. I mean, the the. 
that we said 800 episodes so yeah. this library is growing it's so cool, that's, a, that's a huge thing but yeah. uh three years ago i wrote my first book one more light right now i'm in the process of writing a second book which is a fiction which you talk about you know out of the frying pan into the fire i couldn't have chosen a, <laughs> a harder concept to try and write but i i want to <coughs> i want to create a story about multi-generational trauma mm. and the modern character will be a firefighter okay. so you know that's that's the premise it's extremely it's it's so different from writing a nonfiction because my first one was was stories from my life it wasn't biography but each chapter was right. almost like a short story so it yeah. started with a with a career story a lot mm -hmm. of them were fire service and then it went to sleep deprivation mental health you know obesity whatever the, the the theme was that you pulled from that story but now you're creating a whole world that goes back through time so uh so that my my pipe dream which uh I'm going to do everything in my power to to get it made into a show or a film because that is how we access most of our stuff is through the screen. It. Yeah. But if I can, you know, I always tell people if Tiger King could get made, then <laughs> <why can't laughs> that's right. So I'm, I'm hanging on to that. <laughs> well, good for you, man. Well, I have to tell you, um, a lot of pride and passion goes into what you do. Um, and you know, they say it's, it's not a job when you do something you love. Right. And, uh, on behalf of the fire service and first responders, I mean, brother, thank you. I mean, you've put together an incredible library for us for reference points, for a place to look for some hope or ideas or things that we might need or we didn't even know that we want. Um, it's very cool to be able to find a topic from behind the shield and then find people that are in tune with those topics and have something knowledgeable and passionate to say about it. Brother, Please keep doing what you're doing, man. I absolutely appreciate your time today on the podcast. It's been a lot of fun. Um, I wanted to tackle kind of another side of you. You know, I've heard so many, and I think people that know you know your content. They know your conversation about sleep. They know your conversation about staffing and, and money and so on. I kind of wanted to tackle a different way of who James Gearing, you know, kind of is behind all that. And um, I just thank you for sharing that. I think we hit on a couple of things that maybe is not everyday conversation or questions for you. So I just wanted to thank you for that, man. It was a great conversation today. Yeah, well, I mean, I want to flip it back. For everyone listening, firstly, we're going to do an interview next. <laughs> we are. Jeremy will be on my podcast. That'll be fun. So That'll be a lot of fun. We'll, we'll learn about your background a little bit more. But no, I mean, I always tell people we are part of a tapestry. Mm. Each of us is trying to be a solution to the problem. So everyone that's out there, like I said, whether they're actually wearing the uniform and running the calls, whether they've started a nonprofit or a podcast or written books or, or made a documentary or, you know, like Florian Lights or, you know, Burn or what, any of these ones that we have, we're all part of that movement that's trying to get to that paradigm shift where there's change, you know, it. so... I'm just proud to stand alongside you. I mean, your podcast is phenomenal. And, you know, Thank as you. you said, you know, that's what's beautiful is that you, you know, a fire service specific, I kind of use that as a nucleus and kind of anchor out. Sure. And there's, there's, there's no two podcasts alike. And this yeah. is the thing. Some people are going to love listening to you and absolutely hate my voice and vice versa. So there's a fit for everyone. So being part of this big jigsaw that is trying to move the needle in the wellness is, is amazing. And, and I'm honored to be on here. So I want to thank you so much for having me. Uh, of course, man, this was a long time coming and it was a lot of fun and uh, we're going to do it again. Cause I mean, we only literally didn't even scratch the surface. I mean, there's so many layers to you and the things that you do, but what I think is fun and what I want to impress upon um, the national fire radio community that listens to our podcast 
is to understand that Behind the Shield podcast is a resource mechanism and it is a library of information. And so go check him out. Check out James Gearing. Check out what he's doing with the Behind the Shield podcast. And you can search, keyword search on whatever browser you use for podcasts. Keyword search things that you're interested in, whether it's sleep apnea, whether it's schedules, whether it's uh, obesity, fitness. I mean, you name it, you've run the gamut. 800-something episodes, there's plenty of information for everyone, and it's really good because it comes from all different points of view, and you're going to have multiple episodes on the same topics, too, which I think is is important as well. I love it. Yeah, and if you go to the website, jamesgearing.com, there's a search feature there, so if you're thinking, okay, you know, I love that. That's good. just put that, and it will bring, I mean, that topic especially will bring like 20-plus <laughs> episodes for you to, to deal with, because I mean, one of the most uh maddening things people say is oh well can you show me the research that yeah. you know a 40 hour week is better than 56 if that's what you're getting send them some of those podcasts <laughs> <laughs> absolutely no that's good james thank you jamesgearing.com it's also behind the shield podcast and any of your podcast listeners check him out go over listen to a few episodes if you haven't already you're really missing out he's bringing great words and in uh, knowledge to the fire service, the emergency services, and the military, and so on. So uh, one more light, life, death, and humanity through the eyes of a firefighter. It's out. Check it out. I've heard nothing but great things. I'm not a huge reader. I've talked about that on different episodes. So, James, I haven't gotten there yet, buddy, but it is on the audio version, too, uh, I think. So uh, I'll be looking at that for sure. Thank you, brother. Thank you for spending some time with me today on the podcast for National Fire Radio. It was a great, great honor to have you on. And uh, I look forward to uh, doing this again with you, which uh, should be pretty soon. Absolutely, mate. Thank you again. Cool. Thank you, James. Hang out right here. I'm just going to end the podcast and I'm going to come right back to you. Okay, brother? Thank you. No problem. Take your time. Everyone, thank you for tuning in for another episode of the National Fire Radio podcast. Tradition, culture, the fire service goes much deeper than just the black and white photos that hang on your wall. Today, James Gearing brings so much to the table, promoting he's one of us. He's a brother, 14 years in the fire service, decided to pursue his career in educating us and making us better. For that, I am grateful. We need more people like him. He's a steward of the word. So, James, thank you for joining me today. And like I say, I say this every episode and I end it this way. Take the conversation, take it back to the firehouse and talk about it because when we talk about the job, we're making the job better. We'll see you at the next one. Thanks for tuning in. Jeremy, National Fire Radio.